This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clivets complete a hat-trick of rarities with a cup win, a big signing, and the visit of Leeds fans for a top-flight fixture. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello, this is producer Matt. I'm just here to introduce the podcast this week. Natalie's having some time off, but I have got three of our finest panellists here for you this week with Richard... Tom and George, all chomping at the bit, ready to discuss all the positive news that's been coming out of the club in the last seven days. So, without further ado, I'll hand over to them. So, hello listeners and welcome to another edition of the No Name Never podcast. Tonight with us, we've got regular panellists, George Poole and Tom Whitaker. Good evening, George. How are you? Hi, Rich. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Buzzing after the Very weekend. Good. Even, yeah, even but, late equaliser. Definitely. And Tom, good evening yourself. Evening, Rich. How are you doing? You right? Yeah, yeah. I'm all good. I'm back teaching tomorrow, so my summer holidays are, are over. So a little bit more sombre uh, than, a, than a month or two ago. But so you've got to get back into it sometime. And what was nice about Sunday listeners uh, was that I, I actually got to meet... Um, I've met, I met Tom. Me and Tom had a pint. Um, who, I've, who I've met a few times before. So that was good to catch up with Tom and his good lady before the game in the Parkview. Uh, if anybody's listening um, who owns the Parkview or anything, I thought that was really, really nice and it's been done up really well. So good work there, really good atmosphere. And then, George, was it the first time I met you? Just on the on the Jim, James Argreaves uh, upper just before the game? Yeah, that was. That's the first time we've met. It's really weird putting a face to a, a name, really. <laughs> it really yeah. was weird, but weird but nice. And it's not yeah. the James Argus up anymore, remember, it's the North Stand. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. So, yeah, the North Stand then. And, uh, yeah, if anybody see or knows George's dad, he's an absolute spitz of him. Uh, so it's good to meet uh, some of the no-name-ever panellists um, in in real life. And, um, obviously, I think the main thing on Burnley's fans' mind is has been overall a successful transfer window with really good additions to the squad, which will hopefully improve us and give us a really good chance to have a good season in the Premier League. But that'll be a big feature later on. But obviously, since our last podcast, we've had two games, um, a cup win 
away at Newcastle, which uh, we managed to win on penalties. Wayne Hennessy, the hero there. And obviously the Leeds draw at the weekend, which, which we will go into more detail after. So, George, New, Newcastle away, not a shot on target, but one on penalties. Happy to get through to the next round. Yeah, it sounded like a barnstorming game. I must admit, I didn't I didn't tune in until the penalties, but really happy to go through. And it's one of them games which you can easily slip up on that. You know, going away to Newcastle, we're pretty bad in the cup. We all know that. And if you go away to a Premier League side, you can expect to be turned over there. But I was just glad we managed to get through. And it didn't seem as though going to penalties affected us at the weekend, which, you know, you wouldn't expect anyway this early into the season. So nice to get through, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about the cup draw, which I thought was relatively nice, but we all know our reputation, you never know. <laughs> yeah, so there's not much to talk about, really, about that Newcastle game. Like I said, I don't think we had a shot on target. Um, but I think Wayne Hennessy was the hero of the night, obviously one of our earlier signings, and maybe one that went under the radar a little bit. Um, so you happy with that little bit of business that we've done, Tom, especially for the cup games, and if Pope gets injured? I'm not a big fan of uh, Peacock Farrell myself. Uh, I think we spoke about on the podcast. I think when he's played, he seems to let yeah. three or four in every game. So I think it's it's a good a good plan all around, really. Like he gets a year of regular first team football. By all accounts, he's doing really well at, at Chef Wednesday. I know it's just League One, but I think he's only let one game in, one goal in something like six or seven games so far. So he's doing well. I think he's someone who needs a big confidence boost. So it's good to get him out there, get him some game time, and get him playing well. And then in, in the interim, then we've got Hennessy, who's uh, experienced, solid backup. Um, I think I'd be less worried uh, if we had to play Hennessy for a run of games than I would if we had to play Peacock Farrell. So, yeah, it makes sense. And then obviously, like you say, he's, uh, he's had a good start to his in a career. So uh, let's hope he can pull, out, pull off. I don't want to tempt fate, but uh, I dare say he might be called on to pull off maybe some similar penalty heroics against Rochdale. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go back to your earlier points. I think I, I think Peacock Fowler's got the attributes to be a good goalkeeper, but he does seem to like let in quite a lot of goals when he plays, even though some of them he can go. I'm not sure he could have done more about, but I think Dice has obviously identified a really experienced goalkeeper where if Pope does say have a month out injured, he's somebody who can come in and, and do a job. And fingers, fingers crossed we don't need him uh, for the penalty shootout against Rochdale. Um, I think that's a fantastic draw for us. Rochdale at home. Um, I've never played um, in my lifetime. Maybe that's thankfully. Uh, we've we've never played Rochdale. So I think it'll be a really good home draw. I think they'll bring a lot of fans to Turf Moor. And George, surely we're, we're, we're going to get through that. Yeah, you'd hope so. I, I wish we'd have... I, I did wish it was a, an away leg, to be honest. It'd have been nice yeah. to go to a new ground. Um, but, you know, at home, you've got a, a lot bigger chance of going through and I think Rochdale will go performance, you know, be a nice sort of semi-local rivalry, but you'd expect us to go through there and at least it's not a really big team already. You know, get a couple of wins under our belt first and you never know. Yeah, well, like I said, when you've seen the draw coming out, you're thinking we've got through on penalties, just don't get Man City away. And, you know, you see our number come out um, at home and you think, OK, we've got a decent chance we don't have to travel. And then we've, and then we've got Rochdale and you're thinking, you know what, one game, and then I think the last 16 is the next draw. So, yeah, so looking forward to that cup tie. I think it's on Tuesday, the 25th of September after the international break. And I've seen on Twitter earlier that it's on BBC, you know, for any clavets that can't travel. But I think I'll be making my way to Turf Moor for that one. So I kind of park in the Newcastle game because uh, I don't think there's much to talk about. 
Uh, we move on to the Leeds game, which was on Sunday. In my opinion, a fantastic game. Uh, two teams going hell for leather. Um, some really tasty challenges going in. And, you know, and some good football from both teams as well. Obviously, Chris Wood got a goal, a fantastic uh, free-flowing move from us, which led to Chris, uh, which led to Chris Wood scoring the goal. Um, and then, unfortunately, and was a little bit of a sitner, and I was gutted walking off the turf. Walking off the turf, it had to be Patrick Bloody Bamford didn't it to score with five minutes left. Um, so, Tom, obviously, we'll go into more analysis of the game shortly, but. Was you happy to get our first point on the board and, and a good performance, or was, or was you disappointed walking away from the turf? No, I was quite upbeat. Um, coming off the Brian one because I thought we deserved a lot more, but I think uh, against Leeds, a draw was fair as well. I thought didn't think we played very well in the first half. Thought we were a bit toothless. Didn't think we had much in the way of end product. The final ball let us down a lot. Don't think um, the keeper had much to do in the first half for Leeds. And they could have had two or three on the break. That one where Rafinha drags it past the far post, terrible finish. We got away with one there. Um, so at half time, he should have offered me a point. I would have been delighted. I think we did play played really well the first 15, 20 minutes of the for the second half. Deservedly went in front. We were the better team, but just went a bit too deep too early. Invited them on. They had, they had a lot of the ball in our box. They didn't give Pope a lot to do until the goal. But you know, if you if you sit on a one 0 for half an hour, you know that that kind of thing can happen. So yeah, it's a shame not to win, but. Uh, another good performance, you know, another encouraging level of performance, I think. Um, so, yeah, I went off in good spirits. I, I had a took a point and I was at a full-time fair as well. Yeah, I think that's obviously, like we always say in this podcast, Tom's always the calm one, nice balanced review there. I know, George, you was really upbeat from after the Leeds game, wasn't you? You was putting in that WhatsApp group. By, by seeming your giddiness, I thought we would have won 5 nil. Yeah, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. I can't, that first half was, I, I just thought we were absolutely tremendous. Like, as Tom says, you know, we didn't create much and we didn't chance the keeper, but we got into really good areas. We were playing really nice football. And it was just that sort of final ball, which either didn't work or it was the defenders playing well. Uh, but I thought we just linked up play so nicely. I thought Goodmanson in particular was superb. Wood and Barnes, both brilliant, you know, linking up play all the way throughout the game, but in particular in the first half and then for the first 20 minutes in the second yeah, I've, I've, I was re- it was just such an enjoyable game. The atmosphere with Leeds bringing 2,000, us being really noisy in the War of the Roses game. So I just thought it was a tremendous a- atmosphere and a really good performance from us. Leeds fans were rubbish though, weren't they? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They were, they were poor, but they but I think just having them there gets us up for it because it's, it's almost like the cricket feels them want to get one over on, one over on them lot. Uh, whereas with Brighton, you really don't have that as they're a largely irrelevant club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, that's a bold comment. Um, yeah, it seemed like a proper turf more atmosphere, a good Roses derby, one that we could get stuck into. I'm going to come back to some um, some Leeds fans less than content on Twitter, uh, despite what Bielsa said. You made a good point there, George. So you, And it always seems to come up, I have to bring it up. So you felt that Wood and Barnes linked really well up front together and there was a threat which I'm not necessarily disputing um, I see obviously there's quite a lot of mixed reaction on, on Twitter uh, some people thought Barnes did very well some thought he was useless again Tom would you know where do, where do you sit on the Ashley Barnes debate at the moment uh, for me we've got better options uh, it wasn't his worst game for sure but I, I, you know I've seen a few people saying he was outstanding he was brilliant I 
didn't see that at all personally. You know, he's uh, he was a bit of a bull in, in the china shop in the first half. So, you know, he holds it up well. Back to goal, we play. He does that kind of thing well, but he doesn't do a right that else for me. You know, he never looked like scoring. I think maybe we'll talk about it in a bit more detail. I don't know when you thought about the, uh, the possible red card he could have had. I think that was one that perhaps we, 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 he got away with that one. Um, and I think especially with him getting booked for that one, he could have had two or three yellow cards. So, yeah, I, I don't see a. I don't see that he was outstanding. I'd much rather we start with Vidra or, or Rodriguez in the next game. Personally, I think he's. I don't think he's shown enough in, in the two starts he's had to say that he should be nailed on for a starting. Yeah, but George, I know you're. You know, you seem to be. You know, in the Ashley Barnes fan club, I think you got a pair of signed boots from him. So I don't know if that's made you slightly more biased, but you, but you, but you were one of them people in in the camp who thought he was out, outstanding on Sunday. Yeah, outstanding, brilliant. Those were the words that Tom just used there, and they were exactly the words that I used as well on Sunday. I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought the link-up play uh, with Wood was bang on all the way out throughout the game. You could just tell they had that connection from, you know, when they were really good a couple of years back. They knew where each other were going to be. They'd flick it on, they'd pass it to each other. They'd play the ball in behind to, to each other. It really did work well, and I thought... The yellow card, fair enough, yellow card. It wasn't a red. The, the player going up into the air made it look worse than it was. But I thought that, that actually, ironically, made Barnes sort of calm down a bit and he picked his battles a lot better after that um, because he had his head on. He knew your second yellow there wouldn't be ideal. So I thought he was brilliant throughout the whole game, much better than when he played against Brighton. He passed the ball well. He brought it down well. It wasn't a case of him coming on with you know 20 minutes to go. It, it, it was him being in the team from the from the start, and I thought he did play really well. There was that volley which he almost turned in at the front post. So all in all, a really good performance, and it's nice to see them two back at the best. Yeah, I like your positivity, George. As always, I, I'm sorry I have to lean on the camp of Tom. He did a job, but for but for me, we look a far better. I know Vidra's coming back from injury. We look a far better, in my opinion. We look a far better team with Vidra in it. I think there's times when he slows the game down. I thought that challenge was absolutely... I'm not... Neither, well, OK, well, we'll come on to that. I'll let you have your point, George. Um, he just put in our group, Vidra doesn't score goals. How many How many did Barnes score last season? George, you can get that stat up for me um, in the games he played. Um, he just, in that tackle, I don't think it was a red card, but he's just stupid. You know, and on and for me, he easily could have got. You know, at, at times was on the you know the the edge of of possibly getting sent off. Yeah, he's he's okay at being a bully, winning headers. There was one time where we broke and they didn't have a clue what to do with the ball, and thankfully for some reason the the fullback just kicked him down. For me, he he wouldn't be in the starting eleven, uh, but at the same time, I you know I do see why Dice does start him and etc. So, moving on to another player who I thought was excellent throughout the game was Josh Brownhill. Um, Calvin Phillips, for me, is an outstanding player. I was fortunate enough to go to England versus Denmark in the semi-final um, of the Euros, and I thought Phillips was just unbelievable, and he was throughout the tournament. But I thought Brownhill was actually better than him on Saturday. Um, it was a big decision, to obviously, maybe to leave Cork out, which Dice liked his trusted uh, midfield partnership of, of Cork and Westwood. Do you agree with my thoughts, sir, Tom? And do you think Brownell should be 
you know, starting with Westwood, you know, every game when he's fit moving forward. To be honest, I think uh, Brownell and Cork are much of a muchness. I don't think there's that much between them. I don't think the team looks massively different when I put one or the other's playing. Um, obviously, they've both been told, told to do the same job. But I think what, what I'd like to see a bit more of from Brownell is, um, you know, he's got a shot on him. We've seen that goal he scored against Millwall in the cup last year. It was unbelievable. I've seen him score a few crackers uh, for Bristol City, but never really done it for us. And there was a moment at the start of the second half where there's a ball sat up for him on the edge of the box. I thought, uh, put his foot through this and it was like it just dragged a really weak effort wide. So that's perhaps something that um, that he, you could say that he's got on Cork. I don't think Cork's a great finisher. You know, he's never been one to pop up with, with that many goals. But, you know, Brownhill's got one in his in his sort of season and a half so far. I know it's been a funny season and a half, etc. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see a bit more of that from him. I think that's what he could give us the court, doesn't it? Is a bit more, you know, some goals from midfield, a bit more of an attacking thrust. And it might just be that, you know, the job is being told to do. And obviously it's difficult in our midfield because quite often you're two on three. So he's having to do a lot of work, uh, a lot of work, get up and down. But I'd like to see a bit more of that from him. Yeah, um, I do agree with what you were saying. Uh, I think I'm just, you know, going off how, when, when you watch Leeds sometimes, how, Kind of they can control the ball in midfield well. Phillips can dictate games, and I think for large periods until we did start two deep, which I don't think was Brownell. I thought he did that excellently, and he's still learning his training in the Premier League. It's very difficult when you're playing in the midfield too. Um, but uh, but I really think he's somebody who does keep in you know does keep in improving for us. Uh, George, I'll come to you now. So I think one of you mentioned it before that we were brilliant second half at the start of it. We was on top of Leeds, completely dominated. We go 1-0 up and then we just sit back for 20-odd minutes and, and just try and defend. I remember turning to my dad and I said, this is going to be a long 20 minutes, this, and it looked like we was going to do it. It's a fine balance, though, because when we was 1-0 up against Brighton, we got caught on the counter-attack twice and people were saying, you know, we need to be more secure at the back. Do you think we need to find an happy medium? Do you think Dyer's got it right on, on Sunday? Or, or do you think that we sat? Or do you think that we need to be a little bit more positive when we do go one nil up, George? We could definitely have been a lot more positive, but I suppose it is easier to be positive one when you've scored in the first half. Like we scored on around the hour mark. You've only got half an hour to play then. Uh, you're gonna have the first 10 minutes of onslaught, which is typical after a side's gone gone one nil down, and then you're into the final 20 minutes and it's sort of you, you revert into typing, sort of sitting back a bit and defending your lead. I, I think sometimes during our games, because sometimes we do like press really well and you get Barnes and Wood and Goodmanson pushing up um, and going after the man, uh, going after the man, same with Cork and Westwood. It's really obvious when there's times during the game where we sit back and you can tell they sit back. And I, I turned to my dad at the weekend and said, you know, it's clear we're doing that now, but clearly this is something Dyche has told them to do. It saves their energy. They can press again later once this sort of passages play has been over. But, you know, obviously it didn't work out for us at the weekend. But I think we, we do have to acknowledge that it was a bit of a lucky goal. You know, it, 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 you know there was, there was def definitely an element of luck about it. And I, I suppose with Pope relatively un untroubled apart from that, you could say, you know, with a bit of luck on our side, that game just peters out to a 1-0 victory and we're off the mark. So, you know, I think it's easy to be really critical, but it has worked a lot for us in the past. So I, I, I wouldn't veer on the side of hypercriticality, which I don't know if it's a word. <laughs> it sounds a good word. <laughs> um, I agree. Listen, their goal was a lucky goal, wasn't it? They Pope never really made a save second half. 
I thought after they scored, after, sorry, after we scored, we was under the pump then, and I thought we, we, we settled it down a little bit. You know, you can look at different elements of the goal, but, it, you know, from our point of view, but, you know, but it was fortunate. And like, you know, like you say, if, if we if we hold on to that, you know, you don't question the tactics, you know, you probably say, well, I'm glad we've gone back to defending a bit more solidly rather than being um, too, too open. But let's, you know, go back a few years. I know it's a long time now. Um, that season we come Europe, you know, we won a lot of games by by a single goal and we saw games out really well. It seemed to creep into our game over the last season or so that we we, we keep to uh, we seem to not holding on to Leeds. Southampton was a disappointing one, 2 0. Brighton, Leeds, Newcastle went set maximum just come on. Tom, is that a worrying pattern for us, do you feel? I mean, yeah, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, a few years ago, that was our our, uh, our trade. You know, we'd go one nil up and then we could sit on it and you'd be pretty confident that we would move the lead. So it is a worry. I think um, I think we saw, we did, there was a period in, in the second half, after, I think the first 10, 15 minutes, like George said, was quite frantic. But there was a period where we, we managed the game really well. We slowed it down. We kept the ball. We, we, we started to press them again a bit higher up. Um, and it, it was around sort of the 75, 80 minute mark. We had a good, you know, five, 10 minute spell where Leeds didn't get in our half. And I was thinking, oh, this is, you know, this is what we need. This is how to see the game out. And I thought at that point, we'd perhaps, um, we'd perhaps bypass what we need. You know, we, we, we'd uh, got past the sticky part. Um, I think you're right. The, the goal sort of Taylor slipped and, you know, that the deflection off me is really, really kind as well. And I think what you said is right. If uh, you know, if, if that ball deflects off Ben Mee's knee and goes somewhere else, or if Taylor stays on his feet and doesn't get beaten, um, then we win one 0 and we're all talking about how, how good the defensive performance was and how and then you know Pope didn't have anything to do apart from that, did he? So um, you know, I'll, I'll stick with George. I, I don't want to uh, you know err on the side of hypercriticality. I think uh, I think it was a, a decent enough defensive performance, and I think there'll, there'll be days when we play weaker teams. Where we'll play like that after going one the lot, and we'll we'll see it through comfortably. So I won't worry too much just yet. Just the last one I'm going to make on 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 kind of seeing games out, and it's something that I, I would like us to do more of. I'll kind of let either of you ask answer this question. Um, so just feel free to come in. So you know, Dice seems to change a striker for a striker when we're trying to defend the lead, which to me I under, I do understand a little bit because he likes to defend from the front. I would personally like us, if we're going to take a striker on, you know, to go five in midfield and have a little bit more security, you know, if the ball does break free or, you know, or maybe in the box to defend. So, have you answer this? Do you think that's something Dice can do more? Are you happy with him just maybe sticking to his 4-4-2? Yeah, I, you know, it is something to consider and maybe it's something we'll see a lot more, a lot more of now we've got a few additions in. I think if we remember back to when we were coming up as, as champions in 2015-16, it was Tarkovsky who came in a few times toward the end of that season and played in a, a holding midfielder role. I remember in particular Birmingham away. And he just and I think that was because Zigic was on the pitch and he just sat in front of the back four and just basically just headed anything that came near him. And it was him and you know Ben Mee behind him who sort of partnered up as a defensive unit. Uh, so obviously now Tarks is in the centre of our defence, but I think it's something we can definitely consider but then again we were just debating whether sitting backs you know the right the right thing to do mm-hmm. and you certainly are sitting back if you play a holding midfielder and go to five in the midfield 
And, and what happens if they score then? Because we've got no way of reacting. Yeah, true. And I think, I think with the five in midfield, though, it just allows us maybe to keep the ball a little bit better. You know, what are your thoughts on, on it too, Tom? I think it, it comes down to the, the point we were making after the Brighton game, which is it's the options on the bench. Uh, you know, it sounds good to to bring someone in to sit. And I, I do think like... But against Brighton, you really he could have brought Brown along. He was on the bench. Yeah, but does Brown or do... Is he doing that job? And like, I think then, like George says as well, if you know if Brighton score, then what 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 sub do you make then to to get yourself back in the game? It's a big, it's a bit of a risk. I think you'll you'll probably uh, you'll probably not be impressed with this, Rich. But I think um, if we can get Stevens to it, I think he's he's more naturally suited to that role of just sitting in front of the back four, recycling possession and keeping the ball. Like I said, I think um, Brandon and Hawkins going to Westwood as well. <laughs> but I think Brownhill and, and Cork and, and Westwood are more of the kind of box-to-box there and scare him a bit, where I think Stevens is more of a foot-on-the-ball, retain, recycle, possession kind of player. So maybe when he's back fit, uh, if we can get something out of him, then that, that might be a, a better option than bringing Brownhill on. I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't see that myself personally. I, I, I don't see what, what massive difference that, that would make. The only pitch Brownell should uh, Stephen should be on the Burnley is that cricket one next door. But anyway, I understand the rationale, uh, Tom, behind it. But I think Cork could sit a little bit deeper and do the and do a better job than what Stevens could. It's something that I would personally like like to do more because you're matching a lot of teams, and I think it would just help us not having that overload in midfield, and you know maybe able to keep the ball a little bit better so they're just hoofing it up to nowhere. But pod. Listen, in terms of the first three games, I think there's been a lot of positives. I think we're unlucky, actually, just to be on one point. You, you, you can perceive that as a good thing, that we're playing well. Like You can perceive it as a bad thing. If, you know, Sometimes if you're playing well and not picking up wins, then what, what's it going to be like when, you, when you're not playing well? But, you know, it's a, it's a point on the board. We've had a difficulty start, um, got the international break to refresh. Obviously, we've got new players in. And, you know, I'm, I am confident that we, that we can push on, you know, in the next few games now. Hello, producer Matt here again. I just thought I'd bob in and remind you all about the new No Name Never newsletter that former host Jamie Smith has started writing for us this season. You can read it at nonanever.substack.com where you can also sign up so it'll land in your email inbox every Monday. Thanks. <laughs> So that leaves us very nicely onto the end of the transfer window. This time last week, we were unsure on our options really and, and where we were going to go. We had Collins over the line, Wayne Hennessy and um, Aaron Lennon, which were very much squad players, even though I think Collins was a good addition for the future. But it was a very exciting last few days. Um, yesterday was really exciting. There was names flying about everywhere. Ross Barkley. Uh, McKenney from you know from Schalke, an American lad from uh, Bayern Munich, but in the end we got Connor Roberts, who I think will be a, a real good signing. Um, so we'll come on to different signings in a minute. Just the Nona Never uh, team posted that's the transfer window closed until January. How do you rate Burnley's uh, summer business? I'm just going to read out a couple of tweets. So Adam Payne, but it's very much an improvement on previous transfer windows, of course. I would have loved another forward, maybe because Barnes is past his sell-by date for now. So maybe George and Adam can have a fight outside to more the next game. Um, 
just something similar from Philip Finger. I like that name. If, if that's a surname, that's pretty cool. If it's not a surname, it's a little bit concerning. Um, but well done by Pace and team. Loving Dice has options. Um, Alan Whitaker, don't know if it's a relation of Tom. Decent, ha happy with that. Might have liked one more signing, but hopefully enough to stay up. He will stay up now, don't, don't you? Um, and then from Ben Cranshaw, or Crawshaw, sorry, he, he, he's on the other side of it. Needed one or two more. Bit disappointed. I think that's a bit harsh, Ben. You've got to remember we are Burnley. We're not, you know, Man City. Um, and I think it's definitely in the right direction. So I'm going to come to you first, Tom. Um, don't do your explanation just yet. Give me a score out of 10 for the transfer window. Seven. Seven. George? Eight. I was going to, I'll go in the middle, then we 7.5 7 if we're doing decimal places. Tom, I'll come then back to you. Highlights and where we could have improved then. I think uh, the obvious, the most exciting one is, is uh, Corne. Um, I think just for that X factor, you know, it's someone that we perhaps don't know a great deal about. We know he's got a good pedigree, he's played in the Champions League, but he's, uh, you know, he's someone that we, we won't know a lot about. It's similar to kind of Defoe, you know, he's a, a foreign player with, with a profile, but you know, we're excited to see how, how good he is for Burnley. Um, he, he, I think he has what we need, you know, a bit, a, a, a bit more depth out wide, but also pace, creativity from the goals that I've seen that he scored against Man City, etc. He looks like he's going to add something. So 100% that was the most, uh, the most exciting capture of the window. And the fact that it went on for so long and that a lot of points you really didn't think we were going to get him, I think it bodes really well that we can actually get these targets over the line now. Um, okay. Generally speaking, so, yeah, that's... Yeah. Sorry, I just... Leave you there now because I've changed. We'll 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 just stay on Carney actually for a bit because I think it is such a crucial signing before we do review the rest of the window. So, George, your thoughts too? Oh, it's just so exciting, isn't it? I mean, a guy who's played four seasons in the Champions League is playing for Leon, and we've just signed him for fifteen million. I mean, it's ridiculous. I remember growing up and I was like eight or whatever and just watching Champions League on the telly and just seeing Leon. you know, they were just, a, they were a big club along with, Le it was Leon, Marseille, you know, those kinds of clubs who were playing in Champions League uh, and they, they still are and Corne's played four seasons in Champions League for them. He scored three or four goals now against Man City. I mean, it was only in August last year that Leon uh, and Corne knocked Man City out of the Champions League quarterfinals. Uh, I think we've all seen Corne's goal shared on social media over the weekend. That was from uh, the winning leg for Leon. So I think it's just really exciting to have a guy who's obviously got a lot of creativity about him, can fill lots of different places as well. And just someone of his reputation and talent to come to Burnley is pretty bonkers, to be honest. Uh, as Tom says, it's just exciting that we can get these kind of players coming to turf. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him step on the pitch for the first time. I'm sure he'll get a really big welcome. George, you you always thought he was going to sign, didn't didn't you? You was always hopeful for that. Yeah, I think that was the case. Yeah, I think I was always really uh, really hopeful that we would definitely get that one over the line. I've just pulled up a, um, a message I sent into our group. Young and Albright and argue, arguably both passed it. Carne not happening, and bet it wasn't even true. So George ITK though is some uh, really good insights on Maxwell Carney deal. Uh, there, I'm not even going to give George the chance to defend himself because because uh, I think we'll leave that there. Um, 
so yeah, you you know you just felt a real buzz around the ground, didn't you, on on Sunday? I remember obviously like seeing Tom in the pub and seeing George on the north upper, whatever it's called these days, uh, the long side upper for our older viewers, um, and you just felt a buzz of anticipation. You know, on on Twitter before obviously the announcement video, I thought was you know was brilliant, and he gives and he gives such a nice interview. Despite pointing to the Umbro badge, even when we do something brilliant, we still manage to mess up a little part of it, which I did think was quite funny. And it, uh, bet, I bet Umbro were happy um, nonetheless. So just to echo the gents' thoughts, I uh, just can't wait to see him on the pitch. I hope Dyche doesn't do his thing where he doesn't get played for absolute months and months. I, I'm not saying he should chuck him in straight away against Everton after the international window, but I hope it's not long you know, before it's... Uh, before he is started. And then the other um, signing that come over the line on deadline day was Connor Roberts from Swansea. Two and a half million, which seems an absolute steal. remember watching him in that Wales-Turkey game and just loved his energy. I thought, I hope he's a player that we, that we look at. Um, so I think he'll be a really good signing for us. Um, do you echo those thoughts, Tom? Yeah, I think he said all the right things, didn't he, in his, uh, in his interviews? Yeah. You know, mine will be the best player, but I'll never stop running. I'll always work hard. That's exactly what Burnley fans want to hear. So he's he started well. I've got a couple of mates who are Swansea fans, and and they rate him highly. They're really disappointed to see him go. I think not just the fact that we we brought him in, but I think the fee we've got him for as well, like two two and a half million, it's a steal really. I think for an international player, um, like you say, scored at the Euros in that Turkey game. <clears throat> you know, if if you were to move on or whatever, you'd probably get easy three four times that. So just from a business point of view, it's a good bit of business. And I think we'd all agree as well that right back's probably somewhere that we needed strength in it. I think Logan's been playing well. I've got no option with no issue, sorry, with him as an option there. But obviously Bardsley um, coming to the end of his time now. Um, so it's good to have some competition down that right hand side as well. And I've also seen on Twitter that he's got a long throw. Now, uh, you know, that if there was if there was any team in the in the league that needed a, a long throw expert, it must be us. So be be interested to see if we managed to deploy any of them as well. Yeah, great, great last point. I've been saying for ages, let's get somebody in with a long throw. I know, George, you took a brilliant video of the West Brom and the Peterborough game. If any of you just love your football and love seeing the fans back, go on uh, George George's Twitter account and, and look at his video. But I, I was watching that game and Darnell Furlong with that long throw. It's an absolute monster. I was thinking, Dice, just sign him all up. We're not bothered if he can't defend just getting taking these long throws and I think that will be a big asset for us. I know we laugh and joke about it though, Tom. I actually think we'll get some goals from that this season. And uh, you know, we, you know, we've said for a long time if we could have the threat on the right, which we've done on the on the left, I think we'll be a really strong team. And it seems like we're you know we're getting that now. I hope Roberts will come into the team as as quickly uh, with his engine. I think Lawton's been doing a good job, but I think he'll definitely be a good signing for us. Now we'll move on to the transfer deadline day. Normally for Burnley, it's uh, Twitter is a negative place to be. You've got people mourning, people whinging. Um, you know, normally Chris Borden and Alex James taking the brunt of it, and we end up getting nobody or you know or, or, or very little. But this transfer deadline day was a lot more exciting, wasn't it, George? Oh, it certainly was. I mean, it started out in the morning with links here, there, and everywhere. And then it continued as we announced Roberts, you know, really good signing. And that one came completely out of the blue. You know, they really did keep that well under wraps. And then it it seemed in the space of like 20 minutes since we were linked with him, he was was announced at the club. So that that was a brilliant one to get over the line. And one that we've sort of needed for a couple of years, you know, Bardsley will be moving on before long. And then we can 
maybe push Lawton back to plan B. But that's how the day started. And then it just continued getting better and better with all these links. Uh, obviously, Nixon says Bur- Burnley still want another midfielder. You know, Corne was announced the other, the other day. Burnley still want another another number 10. And we're all thinking, blimey, getting giddy. And then there was the rumours about a, a guy on big wages from a big club coming in on loan, which we all found out pretty quickly was Ross Barkley. And even though, you know, these links didn't come off in the end, it was just exciting to be linked with with not only just a multitude of players, but a multitude of high-quality players. It's something that we've definitely not had in a long time. And we actually believe these rumours this time. So I'm really looking forward to January, right? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just that even though we maybe didn't get, say, Ross Barkley over the line, I know we was linked with a lad from Juve, how true that was, I don't, I don't actually know. But it's good to see us being linked with these types of players. Obviously, getting Carney up over the line. It's just that positive thought process for the future that we're not going to be, you know, basement shopping anymore. We're going to be looking to bring in real quality international players, you know, to you know to improve our team and and our squad. Um, one that seemingly got away and would have, in, I, in my opinion, would have would have been a good signing was Ryan Christie. Decided to go to Bournemouth which I just thought was quite odd. You know, what's your thoughts on that one, Tom? Seemingly turning down a Premier League move or staying at Celtic, you know, to you know, to stay in the championship with, with Bournemouth. Well, I, I guess you can understand the, the thinking that, you know, he's he's gonna play more there, he's gonna play in a position which suits him. And if you're if you're him, you're probably gambling that Bournemouth are gonna go up to the top division anyway. Um but you know, if we've got players who would rather play in the championship than for us in the Premier League, then in my opinion, we're you know we're better off rid of him. I think I mentioned on Twitter there was a couple of examples I could I could think of. Just Craig Bryson, um, the first time we got promoted to the Premier under Dyche, uh, we could have had we could have signed Bryson, but he chose to stay at Derby. I think he was doing similar gambling that they will go up, and obviously they never did. Um, and he's you know and he never got to play in the Premier League, and it's the same for British Ambulonga as well. Uh, chose Middlesbrough over us. Probably they were paying him more money at the time, but he's he's not pulled up any trees there. His career's gone, you know, gone down the spiral. Um, and again, he's someone who's he might he might be happy looking at his bank balance, but he's never going to play in the Premier League. And uh, if that you know if that's the kind of attitude, then I'm not I'm not sure that's that, that it's a big miss to to miss out on players with, with that kind of mentality. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a shame because I think it would have just rounded off a really good. You know, deadline day, if we got that extra midfielder in. I think that's the one uh, with the pitch in the centre that we do need to improve. Tom mentioned it earlier. You know, we have good possession, but sometimes it gets, or when we have good spells of possession, we get to the final third and we have no end product. We don't have that creative number 10 that can maybe add that little bit of extra quality, you know, to, you know, to break teams down. Even though we've had three good performances this season, We've scored two goals and two of them are off the back of set pieces, which is good that we've got that threat. I think our corners have actually improved this year, <laughs> which has been good to see. Because um, regular listeners will know that's some of my frustration when we just hit it straight to the keeper. But I still think you know, we can use that player a little bit more. Obviously, Daesh, looking at that number 10, obviously there was links obviously to Christie, which has seemed like we're strong links back. We don't know however close that was. Do you think Dyche wants a bit of a change in philosophy, a bit of a change in formation, George, moving forward now? I think, or you just want alternatives to the 4-4-2 that we know in, that we know that he loves to play? 
Yeah, it certainly looks like it. And I, I, I don't think it's that big a surprise, really. You know, in the season that we finished seventh, we regularly uh, included a, a 10 in, the, in a 4 5 1 um, sort of system. We had Hendrick at the time and uh, Arfield both sort of rotating in and out. Um, and I think just since then, we've never really had the player to do it. I think some of us thought when maybe when Brownhill came in, he might be pushed there, but he doesn't seem that kind of player. He, he looks more comfortable right in the centre midfield, uh, which is completely fair enough. Um, so I think it just it, it's just about getting the players in. And it was clear on deadline day when these rumours, you know, they were, they were confirmed, at least the Ross Barkley one was, and the Christie one. We, we were definitely interested in them to get that attacking midfielder in. So... Although we didn't get one over the line, I think the addition of Corner might allow us to transition to that way. We've got um, got another winger in now. We've got Lennon, who I thought did really well at the weekend. I like the look of him again. So I just think we've got them options now and we can move either one of McNeil or Goodmanson into that number 10 position. And, and I think it just, as you said earlier, it just allows us to take control of the ball a bit more and gives us that bit more creativity with the three uh, attacking midfielders on the pitch. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that we were looking for number 10 because I would just thought that Dwight would be the perfect player to go there. Um, I think he clearly wants to play more central. He's, he's by far our most creative player. I think Gunmanson started the season really well, so he could stay on the right, could have Carney on the left wing, which obviously is his most comfortable position, and Dwight pulling the strings a little bit more. Maybe Dice still wants him out, out wide on the left for his delivery. Um, so it's going to be really interesting as the season progresses and obviously Corney becomes more accustomed to us whether Dice will stick with his 4-4-2 or whether we will start playing 4-5-1, especially, I think, away from home. Um, it's, it's something that we can look at doing a little bit more where we do get overran in midfield. Um, so that kind of gets us up to date. It's been a really positive last you know, five or six days of of the transfer window. Alan Pay so far has taught the talk. Um, and I think this is the first time where he's actually, you know, delivered on his promises and where, you know, we've actually got a squad for the first time in a long time that we feel can compete. And if we do get injuries, we're not going to be down to the bare bones, um, you know, which is really positive. And instead of this season, just maybe clinging on to 17th, I'm not saying we'll come top half or anything, but I think we can look to go towards more mid-table. Tom, I'll, I'll come to you now, which is my final big point of, of the podcast. Obviously, the transfer window is done and dusted. Alan Pace said in his interview that this is the main priority. And once that's done, then we'll look to really nail down Dyche's uh, contract. And all that's something, and I think all Burnley fans, but you in particular, you know, really, really want us to do uh, as, you know, as soon as possible. Yeah, but by, you know, he's the main most important person at the club by far, you know. Um, it seemed like the, you know, like you said, the transfers now look a bit more positive. It looks like we've got a chairman who's a bit more willing to push the boat out, make things happen. Um, and hopefully that's going to be enough to, to persuade Dyche. I said at the time when the Americans took over that the, the big thing for me was I thought we're not got much chance of Dyche staying if, if Garlic continues. So the big thing for me for the Americans was that they're able to persuade Dyche to, to sign a new contract. They've made great noises about him. They've always said they want him to stay for a long time, which is which is uh, refreshing to hear. Um, and yeah, you'd, you'd hope that the way this transfer window has gone, the fact that they've, been, they've pushed the boat out in terms of the finances, you'd hope that would persuade him to, to stay. And, you know, you, you, we've heard a lot of noises in the last few weeks that 
the deal was all but agreed and the only thing you could think would be making him wait would be a transfer window. So hopefully he's, he's satisfied with the business that's been done. The only thing that concerns me slightly is um, some of the talk around the signings. So, for example, Corne, um, all the quotes on the website are from Pace. Um, and Dice said, in, I think in his post-match interview, that he'd not actually spoke to him. Um, so that suggests to me that there's a bit of a shift away from Dice being totally in control of the transfer policy. That might not overall be a bad thing. I do think perhaps he's he's held it back in at times in, in the past. Um, but whether that has an impact on how Dice feels, you know, perhaps he feels that a bit of control has been taken away from him in that regard. Whether that would lead to him being unhappy, I don't know. I might be reading a bit too much into just a few quotes. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, he's not going to be disappointed that he's, if you know if, if he's it wasn't his idea or, or his main target, I'm sure he's not going to be disappointed by the fact that they bought him a 50 million pound Champions League winger. So, yeah, that's the only kind of slight reservation I'd have. But if we get the news, the positive news in the next few weeks that he has signed that contract, then that's that's can only be a good thing for us because I think everyone inside and outside the club would say we've got a much better chance of retaining our Premier League status if, if he's still the manager. Yeah, really interesting point. Uh, I just want to make George's views on that as well before I come in. Um, it does seem like it's very, very close. I think as Burnley fans, literally hang on to every word that Dice says and maybe annotate it a little bit too much. And, oh, he said that. What does what does that mean? Do you think the Corny signing and, and Dice not meeting him and, and et cetera, do you think that's normal practice now, the way football's? evolving of it or is that something that we should be slightly concerned of that maybe this doesn't see in a full dice sign and maybe something push more for our new owners I'm not too sure but I, I, I've, I tend to sort of veer on the side of this is just the way that things are going to be run from now on and it might speak to the opposite of what we're thinking it might speak to the the deeper trust that Daesh has in pace maybe in the past Daesh has been really active in you know trying to nerdle garlic along to, to getting his players over the line whereas now he can just say to pace look this is the list of players that i want um this is the priority list this is how much i'd pay for them you know please just try and get me these players and it might be the case that pace is now the chief negotiator uh, and getting these deals over the line we obviously heard from maxwell corner that uh, mr president had really sold the, the vision of the club to him so the president being alan pace seemed to have done a pretty decent job on that one and i think Going back to sort of transfers, we've noticed that Alan Nixon's been bang on the money with all this this summer. He really has done, you know, and he's a guy who's been saying for a few weeks now that he thinks Dyche's contract is sewn up and they're just waiting to announce it. So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Pace dips this much into his pocket if he's uncertain future about a manager. I think everything points in the right direction and, and I don't think it'd be a surprise if we heard something soon. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you've said there, George. Um, obviously, I think the the, sign, the the other signings he's made, especially Robertson Collins, are definitely Dyche's signings. And I'd be amazed if Dyche didn't want this signing, you know, um, and, and, and Alan Pace and his team have, you know, gone over to France, invested this amount of money in bringing him in. And, I don't, and, at, and at the end of the day, whatever Dyche, <laughs> whatever club Dyche may go to in the future, He's not going to have the full say on transfers, especially if he goes to a bigger club than ours. Um, so overall, I think it is really positive and it does look more and more likely he's, say, um, he's staying, but, you know, un- until he's it's actually, you know, been signed and, and announced on Twitter, you know, there's still 
obviously that element of doubt that anything could happen, but it is certainly looking um, a lot more positive. And I think this is the most positive I've been as a Burnley fan in a long, long time. Um, yeah, we've not got a win yet this season, but you're really seeing signs of progression for the, for the, for the future. You've got, obviously, for a club like Burnley, staying in the Premier League is, is, is always a big achievement, whether we do come 17th. But as a fan, you want to try and see us you know, progress. We've come 7th, we've come 10th in the Premier League, so why can't we come regularly mid-table and, and look to push on? And, um, I think for the first time in his reign, Alan Pace has really delivered. And yeah, we can have a nice little break now. Uh, no game next weekend, so we can relax a little bit and then get stuck into the rest of the season. I really felt like with the, with the transfers coming in and with you know getting a good result and a good performance against Leeds and nearly winning our season started there. George, Tom, anything to add? And anything that I've missed or pressing issues that you think are important before we wrap this one up and head off to the international break? I thought you were going to ask me why I gave the transfer window a seven and not an eight. No, it's your, it's your yeah. Go on then. Yes. Why? I do. I I think I did want to. I did want to make the point. I think the window has been really good. I think. Um, the the imperative was to make sure that we had two players in every position, particularly out wide, and that's been done. Uh, and I, it's encouraging to me that they were looking for a midfielder, um, you know, a number ten, because I do think we are still short in in that area. And I think although Roberts and and definitely Corne do perhaps improve the first eleven, they perhaps you know left wing it was not a problem position really in terms of the quality of the starting eleven. So uh, probably the only reason I'd mark it down was. I don't know that we've we've massively gone out and improved the starting eleven as yet. It may, you know, it may transpire that that Corne and uh, and Roberts play ninety five percent of the games, but I think the the starting eleven versus Everton is going to be the same, and that's the only the only black mark I'd have. I do think there's there was a big big job for the for the board because of how little investment they've been in the squad over the last few windows. So I don't think it was ever going to get fixed in one transfer window, but uh, I think it's kind of maybe important to touch on that as well. The fact that I think we could still we could still stand to improve the starting eleven, and hopefully that will come in, in January or, or in, in in the next summer transfer window. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair points points and well balanced analysis. I think Alan Pace said in himself in an interview, it's going to take us a few windows to get where we where we where we want to be. I don't know what his end vision is, uh, so that'll be really interesting. I think there'll be most clubs, isn't there? Uh, you know, you look at Man United who spent all this money, but they still need a holding midfielder. Uh, you know, so you're probably looking at it. Maybe other than Man City and maybe Chelsea now, I think every you know team would would love a couple more players. Uh, again, George, then do you want to have a final point then before we leave? Yeah, I'll just sing the praise of Chris Wood. You know, we've we've focused a lot on Ashley Barnes earlier, but I thought Chris Wood was brilliant on on Sunday, and I think he, you know it was really funny to see he had them Leeds defenders round his finger. They had no idea what to do with him, and to get a goal against his former club. You know, it, re- it really was a sweet one. And he's just turned, in, turned into such a dependable and brilliant player for us. Easily our best striker we've ever had in the Premier League. You know, you could say, well, if Ings had stayed, but he didn't stay. You know, Chris Wood's been here for years now. 10 goals plus a season, year on year. And I think this year he might go a bit a bit further, maybe even push up to 15 if, if we can get these creative options out wide. So just brilliant to see him scoring against Dirty Leeds. Yeah. And just a final point for me, we didn't we didn't lose any players, which have obviously which which we've 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 kept our core best players and added to it. Um, so you look at other clubs like Palace have lost loads, you know they've signed good players but they've lost a load of good players. 
same as Southampton. So I think that's a really key key for us. And yeah, Clavert, enjoy the international break and fingers crossed get that three points against um, Everton. And it's so thanks again to Richard, Tom and George for giving us their time this week to talk about the two matches we've had and the two signings we've had and everything else that's gone on in the club over the last seven days. It is the international break, but we do have an extra podcast coming next week for you where George will be talking to the author of the new No Nay Never book, which is all about the rivalry between Burnley and them up down the road. So that's Michael Hogkinson talking to our very own George, and that podcast will be out in the middle of next week. Dave and Natalie will be back a week on Friday with a preview show ahead of the Everton game, which is on the Monday, the 13th. So you've got the whole weekend to digest that and to catch up on everything. If you're not already in our fantasy Premier League, it has now closed. And good luck to everyone who has entered. We've had a record number of entries this season. Thanks. Finally, go to you, the listeners, for taking your time to listen and download this podcast. Uh, Your support is very much appreciated. We always say that, but it is always true. Um, We wouldn't be here if we didn't have you listeners. Thanks again uh, to local musician George Gaskell for providing the new music for this year's uh, main show. Um, And until next time, up the clarets. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.